We're going to be in Genesis 20 this morning. And as we begin, I want you to think about maybe one of those times in your life when you felt like as far as uh, maybe some event or a moment where you hit a spiritual home run, where you were, you were attempting to do something good for the Lord and boy, everything just worked out and, and, and people were blessed and you just felt great. And uh, that type of moment is one of those spiritual highs, one of those mountaintop experiences, right? But then, have you ever had a moment or event in your life where you just fouled up everything and you felt like a spiritual loser? Like you just thought, man, I didn't trust the Lord in that situation, and uh, I just made a mess of everything. We're going to read about a time when Abraham lost sight of his purpose and he made a mess of things. I've entitled this sermon, Losing Sight of Your Purpose. Losing Sight of Your Purpose. The situation that we come upon here in Genesis 20 is that Abraham has been called by the Lord to walk before him and be blameless. That was in seven, chapter 17. And then the Lord himself met with Abraham and he promised Abraham and Sarah would have a child. And then the Lord commended Abraham as one chosen to raise his children to keep the way of the Lord. What a spiritual high that must have been when the Lord and two angels visited he and Sarah. And then the Lord makes this statement about him and how he's, going to, he's, he's chosen to raise his kids to follow the Lord. And then Abraham interceded for Sodom. But that didn't go so well in that Sodom was destroyed. Abraham got up the next morning and he witnessed the smoke rising from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as we come to our story today, Sarah is either already pregnant or soon to be pregnant. Because the promise has been made, we've got a... a basically a year before that happens, we don't know how much time has lapsed. Uh, before we get to our story here. So it's like right at that moment. And it's here that one would expect that Abraham, as a God-fearing man who's going to teach his children how to follow the Lord, is, is at this time that he's going to protect his wife no matter what the cost. Perhaps she's even carrying his unborn son, and he's going to protect her from danger and from harm. But unfortunately, that's not what happens. Look at Genesis 20, verses 1 and 2. It says, From there Abraham journeyed towards the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said to his wife, She is my sister, or said of his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Now again, Sarah is either pregnant or soon going to be, and as he has done before, Abraham tells a fib about Sarah being his sister, implying that she is not his wife. Instead of trusting the Lord to protect him, Abraham uses deception to protect himself. Instead of protecting his wife as a godly man should, Abraham uses his wife to protect him. And as a result, Sarah is taken and God's promised offspring is jeopardized. Oh, the mess we make when a path of deception we take. Abraham has lost sight of his purpose. 
But God's purposes will not be thwarted. The sovereign God graciously intervenes here to fulfill his promises, in particular, his promise of a seed of the woman who's going to crush the head of the serpent. That's, that lineage needs to come through Abraham. Now, before we read our text, we're going to find that Abimelech has a dream. And we don't have time to go into it in depth this morning. I've included on your handout, to be read later, an article from a Bible dictionary about dreams in the Bible. Because can God still speak to people through dreams? Well, we have no place that's told us that he can't. Okay, I would just caution you, don't be trying to interpret all your dreams from certain ways. And beware that if you have a dream and it, you feel like it's leading you to do something contrary to the scriptures, I would say that dream was just bad pizza. Right? That's not the Lord trying to direct you in your life, he would never direct you to do something contrary to what he has obviously revealed to us in the scriptures, okay? But a lot of times in the scriptures, especially with kings and rulers of other nations, God uses dreams to trouble them or to stir them up. And it's the way that he speaks to them. And so that's what we find here with Abimelech, who is in the land, in the land of the Philistines, says in verse 3, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Now, our translation here says innocent. It's literally the same word that was used when Abraham intervened for Sodom, it's a righteous people. Will you kill a righteous people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and in the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And note what he says. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Here we see that God intervenes. He strikes fear into the heart of Abimelech. God graciously kept Abimelech from intercourse with Sarah. Ironically, it's Abimelech here who is behaving righteously instead of Abraham. But God's blessing is upon Abraham, and this is by God's grace. The blessing is to Abraham, and Abraham remains the means by which the nations are to be blessed. Though Abimelech has unknowingly sinned in taking Sarah from Abraham, he is still held responsible for his sin. He needs to restore Sarah and have Abraham pray for him. Again, Abraham is the one blessed by God, and Abraham remains the means by which the nations are to be blessed. Abraham's called a prophet here. Now, a prophet is one who speaks on behalf of God, but what has... Abraham done with his words. He's been deceptive. 
So it's something that God calls Abraham a prophet here. It's by his grace. But what does God call Christians? What about you? What about me? Because I don't know, I don't know about you. I mean, I know about some of you, but I, I don't know about all of you. But like for me, anyway, like I fall short of being an image bearer of God, right? I am not righteous as I should be. But God calls Christians there in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles like Abraham was sojourning to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Though we were once enemies of God, by God's grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are a chosen people as Christians. Though we imperfectly follow Christ as our king, we are a holy nation. Though we vacillate from spiritual highs to sinful lows, we are called a royal priesthood who is to intercede for others. And our purpose is to proclaim God's excellencies like a prophet to a lost and dying world. Beloved, we are these things and more in Christ, and it is not because of our greatness, and it is despite our failings. It is God's grace to us through Christ that we are a people for his own possession. There's a song called I Am New by Jason Gray. It's been out for quite some time now, but he says this. Now, I won't deny the worst you could say about me, but I'm not defined by mistakes that I've made because God says of me, I'm not who I was. I am being remade. I am new. I'm chosen and holy and I'm dearly loved. I am new. And later on in the song, he says, Forgiven, beloved, hidden in Christ, made in the image of the giver of life, righteous and holy, reborn and remade, accepted and worthy. This is our new name. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? God will save you if you repent of your sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. He will save you and give you a purpose. Nothing can prevent God from fulfilling his purposes. But why did Abraham lose sight of his purpose? Right? God will fulfill his purposes, but why did Abraham lose sight of his purpose? Well, a lack of faith leads to fear. Look at verse 8. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, and again, we're getting these phrases that remind us of a righteous person. We're going to see Abraham respond to the Lord's call to sacrifice his son Isaac and he's going to rise early in the morning. He doesn't drag his feet. 
Abimelech does the same. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all of his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Now people are fearing Abraham. God brings a fear of his people upon others when he wants to protect them. Verse 9, Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? And Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. And then he you know, defends himself. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say of me, he is my brother. Boy, Abraham doesn't sound like much of a prophet here, does he? This is the second wife fib in the book of Genesis, and particularly with Abraham. What's the difference that we see in this one? Well, back in Genesis 12, Abraham had a lack of faith in God's provision. Remember, there was a famine, and so he left, he left the promised land and went to Egypt. He's, in our current text, though, Abraham has moved, but he's still within the land of promise. He's not taking possession of the land of promise, but he is dwelling within the land which the Lord has promised him. Abraham knows that God will provide for him in the promised land. So what's different? Well, he lacks faith in God's protection. Remember the promise in chapter 15. says, The Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, and your reward shall be very great. So after the Egypt incident, then God affirms to Abraham again, I am your shield, your reward will be great. The Lord promised to protect Abraham, but Abraham continued the sister fib here because he thought there's no fear of God at all in this place and they will kill him. Abraham is within the promised land, but he fears the ungodly around him. Like Adam in the garden, Abraham blames God. Well, when God called me to go out amongst, right? Worse yet, he fails to protect his wife and actually uses her to protect himself. Abraham is supposed to be a blessing to the nations, but instead he has brought on them a great sin, Abimelech says. Beloved, our sin always affects others. Sin destroys, that's what it does. A lack of faith in God's protection will lead you to lose sight of your purpose. We face the same situation in our day as Christians. We live in a land that will one day be ours in the new creation. But we fear men more than we trust God's protection. Our purpose as Christians is to fulfill Christ's command to make disciples, to give the gospel, to guard the gospel, and to grow other Christians by teaching them to obey all that Christ has taught us. But a lack of faith in God's protection will cause you to lose sight of your purpose. 
Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10, verses 27 through 33. He says, What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. See, we're to make disciples by teaching them all that he has said to us. But look what happens in verse 28, the warning. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Who is that? God, right? Fear God. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. In this passage, we're told that a sparrow cannot die unless God allows it. You are invincible until God has accomplished his purposes with you. Don't fear people. When you fear people, it leads to a lack of faith in God's protection, which will lead you to lose sight of your purpose. And when you lose sight of your purpose, you make a mess of things, like Abraham did here, endangering Sarah and potentially his son. But what about Abimelech? He was deceived into unintentional sin. And unintentional sin, I want you to see this morning, still needs to be repented of. Look at verse 14. Because up until this point in the story, Abimelech's, he's, he's pretty perturbed with Abraham. Abraham has endangered him and his people. But then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. He is being a blessing to Abraham because whoever... Blesses Abraham will be blessed by God. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. And then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given, and note the sarcasm, your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before every, everyone you are vindicated. Abimelech obeys God and returns Sarah to Abraham. He blesses Abraham, despite Abraham being the one who endangered him and his people. And then he protects Sarah's integrity. He does what Abraham should have done. He gives her a token of her innocence, a testimony, if you will, that he did not violate her sexually. It's very ironic that it's the Gentile who is righteous in this story. He is the one who fears God. He is the one concerned for Sarah's safety and integrity. A lack of faith in God's protection has led Abraham to lose sight of his purpose. God has graciously intervened because God's purposes will not be thwarted, even by our sin. Abraham had made a mess. But next we see that a fearful failure is still used by God. Now when we come to this next part of our passage and we see something where we have a wife and female slaves or wives and concubines, where polygamy is found in the Bible, we have to remember this. There are things that the Bible describes as happening 
And there are things the Bible prescribes, like a prescription at the pharmacy. The Bible describes the practice of polygamy, but it never prescribes polygamy. God prescribes the marriage of one man and one woman for one lifetime. And we're to follow God's prescription for marriage. But with that in mind, let's look at how God continues to use Abraham in verse 17. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Here we see that Abraham, a fearful failure, is still used by God. Abraham, despite his failing, is still the source of blessing to the nations, fulfilling what God said in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, where he says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here we see Abimelech blessing Abraham, and he receives a blessing. In the next passage, we're going to see that uh, there, Abraham, Isaac is treated with contempt, and so they're kicked out. Everything in relation to Abraham and his children. Abimelech blesses Abraham, and so the Lord blesses Abimelech. As those who have placed their faith in Christ as Lord and Savior, Christians are brought into the family of God. We are children of Abraham. Look at Galatians 3, verses 7 through 9 there on your handout. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying... In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the promised offspring, you are born again, and you're born again into the family of God. Christians, as fearful and failing as we can be, are still the means by which God has chosen to bless the world in Christ. 1 Peter 3.9 says this, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Beloved, we are to be a blessing to this world. God has called us to bless other people. But a lack of faith in God's protection will lead you to lose sight of your purpose. But nothing can prevent God from fulfilling His purposes. It's important, again, to note what is described and what is prescribed. I don't want you to go away from this sermon thinking, well, it doesn't matter how I live, so I might as well live sinfully. Sin destroys. God does not encourage us to sin. God does not prescribe sin. Our passage today describes a lack of faith on Abraham's part, which leads to sin. And it is true that God's sovereign purpose will be fulfilled, but we must not think that gives us a pass to do whatever we want and sin. We cannot know God's purposes on a day-to-day basis as we live our lives. 
but we do know that God has prescribed for us to lead holy, righteous lives. He has called us to walk before him uprightly. So you need to follow God's wise prescription for living your life. However, don't think that God's plan is dependent upon you. In other words, your failure to follow your purpose will not thwart the purposes of God. What a blessing it is to obediently participate in God's purpose by fulfilling God's purpose for us. But when we fail, don't think that you've messed everything up to the point where you're going to stand on Judgment Day and God's going to say, boy, I tell you what, I sure wish I could have saved Barry, but you didn't say anything to him. You may fail in your responsibility that God has placed upon you, but he will save whom he will save, right? He's chosen to use us to tell others, and we need to be obedient in that. But when we mess things up, when we fail to have faith, don't think that you've destroyed God's plans. Like, he is really powerful, and he is all-knowing, and he will accomplish his purposes. Beloved, some of you may be here today, and you have really sinned, and you have made a mess of things. But God can still use you to bless others. Repent of your sins. Be like Abimelech. Make amends as best as you can. And then serve the Lord. Depending on the sin you've committed, you may not be able to serve in the same way. For instance, if there's a pastor who's disqualified from the pastorate, if he repents, he can still be used by the Lord, but perhaps not as a pastor. You may have sinned and really made a mess of things, but that doesn't mean that God's through with you. God can still use you to bless others. Beloved, you may have lost sight of your purpose for a time, but God can still graciously use you to fulfill His purposes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this story of Abraham where we see the reality of a lack of faith and the problems and the mess that that creates. And Father, we acknowledge our own failings, our, our times where we've been more like Abraham than we have been like Jesus. But Father, we know you are a gracious God and that you will fulfill your purposes. And so we ask for your forgiveness in these times when we have failed to fulfill our purpose. And I ask that you will use us in the future to be a blessing to others, to tell others about the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ, and to help others to know how you have prescribed to live our lives. Father, I thank you that you are merciful and gracious, and that you're abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And we thank you for the covenant that you've brought us into through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, there may be some here this morning who need to repent of their sins and be born again. I pray that you will work in their hearts today. Father, there may be some here who have really messed things up. I pray that you will help them to know that they can still be used by you. And Father, there are those who are living their lives in the way that you've prescribed, but things are not necessarily working out the way you thought, Father, or the way they thought. 
But Father, we know that you are working in these things for good. So I pray that you'll strengthen those folks who are walking faithfully before you, walking uprightly before you, but they're confused as to the circumstances they're in. I pray that you'll let them know this morning that they are loved, deeply loved by you, and that you can be trusted to protect them every step of the way. And Father, I pray, help us as Faith Baptist Church to be about your business, giving the gospel, guarding the gospel, and growing Christians. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.